as we see on Kitco, up 86 cents. While in the gold market, see the spot gold of $18.80. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Wednesday morning where we certainly have some welcome news for gold and silver investors because nice little rally going today, which we will dig into along with some of the recent developments in the data in the silver space in particular. Uh, also have a note about something that happened with the BRICS last night, which we'll get to in a little bit. But to kick things off, let's take a look at the silver chart, which... Certainly a welcome sight to many of the people who are watching this show and big fans of silver. As we see on Kitco, up 86 cents while in the gold market, see the spot gold of $18.80. And taking a look here at the futures, see the gold December contract at 1946 and the silver contract at 2436. So Certainly after a sell-off over the past couple of weeks comes as some welcome news. And we can see part of the driver there is that after spiking earlier this morning, we can see the dollar index was close to the 104 level, has come back in quite a bit since 8 a.m. Eastern time this morning. And not a ton of news out, although we did get the latest PMI reports, which came in lower than expected. Here you see manufacturing PMI came in at 47 versus an expectation of 49. Services came at, at 51 versus 52.2. So contributing somewhat to the weakness in the dollar, which again has been part of the factor driving the gold and silver rally this morning, although perhaps a bit behind the scenes, but in my opinion, a bit more significant is something that I've mentioned over the past couple of weeks on the show where we had a lot of banks covering short positions as the managed money was reducing their long positions. Here's back on Friday, August 8th. You can see there was that big 12,400 contract reduction in the swap dealers while getting long 383 contracts. Got them roughly flat. And then last week, we saw a continuation of that, not quite to the same extent, but dropping another 4,700 short contracts, adding 741 longs, which left the banks long about 6,000 contracts, which again is generally one of the better indicators of when a large move is complete or that conditions are getting set in place for a reversal of that. And certainly that's what we are seeing today. Taking a look at the commercial position, you can see that's the blue bars down here, which has come in quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. And really interesting when you look at the correlation between the price and the positioning here. Again, you see here are the non-commercials and generally when they get long, that's when you start to see the sell-off here. Again, you see the hump here, then drops a little bit as the price comes back in. Then as the non-commercials continue to get long, you see that rally in the price followed by the sell-off. Of course, you could look at that as at the inverse with the commercials where here they're getting less short and you see that rise in the price and pattern that if you want to pause this and take a look back, you can see a lot of the price often very closely matches these humps in the red bar. And certainly that's what we're seeing again today as the commercial position has come in, banks getting long. And once again, you see 
a big spike in the price, which we will call some short covering. Craig Hemke does a great job of covering this in his TF Metals report and published an article on Sprott Money recently where he showed this pattern of how you've seen that correlation between the swap dealers, which is what I pointed out here. You can find this by typing in COT, CFTC. That will show you this report each week. I've highlighted the silver section. Obviously, they have this for all of the metals. But once again, when you see the banks getting long, taking place in front of a rally in silver and gold. So certainly good news to see that. And also in the background, while this is happening, we see COMEX registered stockpile continuing to get on the lower end of its range was slightly lower a couple of weeks ago, but you can see now back down to 27.6 million ounces as there was a 3 million ounce withdrawal back on Friday that has brought us back down to this level. Obviously here you are at Silver Squeeze back in February of 2021, and we've seen this drain out of the COMEX registered stockpile pretty consistently over these past two years. And now, again, getting on the lower end of the range. Obviously, you have September deliveries coming up in just about a week. So it'll be interesting to see the activity that takes place here in the next couple of days. And also of note, at the same time that we're seeing this in the COMEX, here is Bai Zhaojun mentioning that silver vaults on Shanghai Futures Exchange continue to flow out on a larger scale today dropping 32,000 kilograms, once again, hitting a new low since the silver squeeze. So seeing that to a degree over in Asia as well. And he has another comment of note here that matches something Vince Lancey talked about in one of his recent videos. Shengtong PM, the largest supplier of silver, will accelerate the import of silver to meet the needs of the domestic market. It will cause the rapid increase in silver prices without a planned rhythm buying and the relationship in supply and demand will be deteriorated. So Bai has done a lot of research from the China perspective, which we've commented on from time to time. And certainly he feels that some of these trends that we're seeing are going to necessitate a higher silver price, which certainly I know a lot of people are looking forward to. Don't know the exact timeline of how that will play out yet, based on the fact that you have these lower inventories, also a deficit in the silver market and not a lot of new production going online with the current silver price. So setting up the dynamic where at some point, especially if we have the green demand continue as it has been, especially with massive numbers coming out of the photovoltaic category for the solar supply does set in place the conditions for a move in the silver price. Again, this is even aside from more investor demand, which should we see issues in the banking sector throughout the end of the year. And we'll touch on that in just a moment because there were some developments in banking, but add that on. And in a market where industrial already consuming a large amount of the silver, you do see a further spike in the investment demand just creates bit of a gap going forward. Although one thing that has helped the silver supply in this past year is the massive reduction in India silver imports. Here you can see the red lines are what we saw month by month last year going into India, which was a record setting year. Although the blue lines is what we're seeing in 2023, obviously a big drop off, almost non-existent little bit of a different picture in the gold market where you can see in June, 
almost double what we saw last year. So still some significant inflows into India this year in the gold side, although not as much on the silver side. And one other note I'd like to show here, here is the London vault data from the LDMA. We go a little farther back, you can see silver on the bottom here where had a pretty big decline, really matching at the same time period as the COMEX, where market went from 1.18 billion ounces back in mid-2021 down to just over 840,000 ounces earlier this year. We've seen a slight increase in this over the past couple of months, and that's certainly been helped by the fact that India has slowed down its imports. Again, here we see this reduction in the LBMA vault inventories happening at the same time last year when India was importing a lot of silver. So things have leveled off a bit recently, but we will keep an eye on that going forward along with the data coming out of the COMEX, as well as the Shanghai Futures Exchange. Another note wanted to pass along, as you are well aware, the BRICS meeting is ongoing right now. We're recording today on August 23rd, meeting from the 22nd to the 24th. And we did have an announcement out of Indonesia last night, which is one of the countries that has expressed interest in being a part of the BRICS. And they announced the launch of their POS gold system last night which is backed by Kinesis Money. Obviously, I think most of you are familiar with Kinesis, a digital gold and silver-backed token. And last night, they launched the system, which is going to start by being a payment mechanism for about 70,000 postal workers in Indonesia with physical gold transactions at POS Gold using physical gold. According to LBMA standards, gold will be properly stored in a warehouse. And obviously, to be clear, this is not the BRICS launching a gold-backed currency, but just interesting to see that at the time of the meeting that there is this development showing at least a template for how part of such a system could conceivably work. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on any of the other developments that come out of the BRICS over these couple of days. So far, no official announcements about any sort of gold-backed currency have been made, but still early on and news flowing out of there. So it will certainly be worthwhile to see what developments we have by the end of the week with the meeting scheduled to end tomorrow. And back in the U.S., something that have talked about before on the show and seeing more commentary about this recently, and that's the possibility of whether the Fed decides that maybe a 2% inflation target isn't optimal. Could it be that 3% or 4% is just as good? Now, to be clear, this is coming from the Wall Street Journal. This is Nick Timoros, who, as many of you know, obviously quite in tune with the Fed. Uh, some refer to him as the Fed whisperer. Seems like he gets a lot of the trends that the Fed is going to roll out and tosses them out there in some of his articles before they come out. And here he was discussing, what if getting to 2% isn't worth the pain? Another strain of thinking says the Fed should accept a rate around 3% as the new target. Powell and other Fed officials say moving the goalposts like that isn't an option. So to be clear, this is not what Powell or the other Fed governors have said yet, given the way things work in the market. Worth noting that there is more talk about whether perhaps the target rate of inflation could be higher. There was also a commentary from a Harvard economist earlier this week where he was suggesting something similar. So at least the idea of the target being raised being discussed and 
would not be shocking if the Fed at some point does come out and say something like that. But so far, just speculation in the media, and we'll keep an eye on that. And obviously, also this week coming up is the Jackson Hall meeting with Powell's testimony coming up in two days on Friday. See what he says there. Although in terms of the September meeting, currently seeing 88.5% chance of another pause in September versus 11.5% of a quarter point interest rate hike. We'll see if Powell has any significant comments regarding that at his speech on Friday. My guess is that he'll say something along the lines pretty similar of what he said at the last press conference where they're monitoring the data and still prepared to do interest rate hikes if necessary. But again, that meeting is coming up on Friday. So just in two days from now. And then one last note, something that came out on Monday, talked briefly with Andy Sheckman in yesterday's show about this, but you have SMB downgrading multiple banks. Interesting to note what they mention here. Sharp rise in interest rates is weighing on many U.S. banks' funding and liquidity, adding that deposits held by FDIC-insured banks will continue to decline as long as the Fed is quantitatively tightening, which is what they are still doing, which obviously results in this downgrade of Associated Bank Corps, Valley National Bank Corps, UMB Financial, Comerica, and Key Corps, suggesting that issues in the banking sector not yet over. Again, keep in mind that when we did see these issues emerged that included some bank failures back in March. There was a significant surge in demand, especially for physical precious metals dealers that saw premiums rise and a lot of people really concerned about the safety of the banking system. I would imagine that if we do have more bank failures or issues that we will see a return of those conditions in the gold and silver markets. There are premiums now on the lower side as things have calmed a bit over the past couple of months, but We've seen over the last few years how quickly that changes. So something to keep an eye on. We will keep you posted on that going forward here on the show. But with that said, going to wrap up for today. Hope you're having a good afternoon out there. And we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.